we at the street are really fortunate to have really incredible uh, incredible worship leaders like Jamie and Tom in particular, and also just their incredible skill at developing other worship leaders. We have heaps of worship leaders that are just do a fantastic job, and so we are so fortunate. One of the things you don't know about, or probably don't even think about, in terms of a worship pastor's responsibility is helping people discern whether or not they're truly called to a worship team. Because although Scripture says, make a joyful noise before the Lord, and we're all commanded to do that, not all of us are commanded to do that on Sunday morning in a microphone. And so, so that's the tough job for Jamie, is helping people discern which is their calling. But the reality is, even though for some of us, and you may identify with this, you're like, yeah, that's me, I should not be doing that in, front, in a microphone. But each and every one of us is actually called to be a worship leader. We are all worship leaders. And so we're going to unpack um, in this message what that means. What do you mean I'm supposed to be a worship leader? I can't sing. I'm not musical. I, I can't play guitar. What does that mean? So we're going to unpack that as we look at First uh, Peter. But let's pray. Let's just invite God to, to uh, speak to us um, through this time. God, we thank you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you uh, for your word. And God, we just pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight um, today. Lord, um, that we would uh, come out of this time changed because of, of hearing from you, encountering you, and Lord, maybe even gaining a new perspective of what you've called us to be. So Lord, again, I thank you and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 4 to 10. And so I'm going to read that. Um, it's also going to be up on the screen. But 1 Peter um, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Uh, it's, we're reading from the NIV. And so here's, here's how it reads. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also... Living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But the, to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Today we continue in our series, um, Trial by Fire, and today we're looking at what does it mean to be living as God's people. And the starting place for that for today in, in chapter 4, or chapter 2, verse 4, actually we want to take a step back to verse 3. 
And one of the things that verse 3 says is having tasted that the Lord is good. So, so living as God's people starts with tasting that the Lord is good. Jesus gave an invitation to his, ver- his first disciples. He said, come and see. And that's Jesus' invitation to all who don't know him yet is come and see. And once you have tasted that the Lord is good, you've gotten a bit of that, that he is good, then you begin to take that next step. And so that next step is where we are in uh, verse 4 of chapter 2. And, it's, uh, and we're going to be looking at what that means, and that is it's coming to Jesus. And so a couple, uh, three words that we want to pull out of here is one, as you come to him, this is, the, this is this first step, you're coming to him. The one who trusts, this is the way it describes us, it's the one who trusts in his name, and it's now those who believe. So there's three things, for verse 4, 6, and 7. So as you come, you're the one who trusts, and now you who believe. So even this idea of, in, in verse 4, as you come to him, the idea of coming to him, that even phrase, has to do with coming before um, God and entrusting yourself to him. So that this coming is a result of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, and now I trust him, which leads us to that next word, which is to trust in him. And so trusting the Father and also believing the Father is what this is about. So trusting means that I put myself totally in his hands. That I'm not trusting in myself, I'm not trusting in my own way, but I'm actually trusting in his way. It's not my plan, it's not my path, it's his path. And that believing, this sense of, of believing, it's, it's again that idea of putting my trust in him. It's a, it's a belief, the word that is often used for, um, for believe or even know um, has to do with an experience, having had an experience, again going back to that tasting and see that the Lord is good, I now believe in him and I trust in him. And so my eyes, as I come to him, it is a, it's a moment in time. So on the one hand, there's a moment where I choose to say, okay, I am now coming to Jesus. But then it's a continuous coming to Jesus, that Jesus is before me, that Jesus is my path. Jesus is the direction that I'm looking. I'm not looking to the right. I'm not looking to the left. But as I come to him, it's a continuous coming to Jesus. And so that's where it begins as we, as we begin to know what it means to uh, live as followers of Jesus. It is that, that coming to Jesus and truly following him, staying in that path. And as we do that, as we do that, as we, as we come to him, one of the things that's established is our identity. And we want to pick that up and see that in this passage. If you go to verse 9, here's where we get a really clear glimpse of our identity. But you are a chosen people. So there's the first part, that we're chosen. That, idea, that very concept that you, having come to him, you are chosen. That we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we're God's special possession. 
These are, these are descriptive words of our identity. So our identity is no longer things that are outside of us, but notice there are things that are inside of us. Or, sorry, not inside of us. They're the things that are described by the Father. The Father now describes our identity. So identity in Jesus is chosen by the Father. Precious or special to the Father. Belonging to the Father. A holy nation belonging to the Father. A royal priesthood of the Father. Now again, just think about that for a second. That your identity being only in Jesus, only in the Father, has these specific things. That you you are chosen by the creator of the universe. Like, how cool is that? That the creator of the universe, you know, we're still learning about the universe. With new telescopes, we're learning about um, uh, different galaxies and and stars and clusters. We we haven't reached all of, of what's out there. And yet the God who created all of that, who created every bit of that, has chosen you. That you are precious to him. That you belong to the Father. Now, one of the things I, I encourage you to do at some point, because this, this is easy to brush over and say, okay, yeah, that's true, I'm chosen. Yeah, okay, I'm precious. But actually to sit with it, to go beyond just a, a mental and intellectual assent to that information, but actually to sit with it. Um, I'd encourage you even to do, there's a spiritual practice called centering prayer. And one of the things you do with centering prayer is you take a word or a phrase from Scripture and you sit with it. And you sit with it for 5, 10, maybe 20 minutes, but you sit with it and you just think about that. Chosen by the Father. And as you just sit there, just keep reflecting on that phrase. Chosen. I'm chosen by the Father. I'm chosen by the Father. Chosen by the Father. And just stay with that thought. And I encourage you to do that. And it takes some time and another time, maybe even with each one of those, just to sit with that and allow that to truly sink in. That in spite of my flaws, in spite of my, um, my sin, in spite of my shame, in spite of my um, inadequacies, I am chosen by the creator of the universe. That's just incredible. That's an incredible privilege that God God would do that. And not only that I'm chosen, I'm not just chosen as a as a as a pawn, as a as as a um, just a, a piece of work, but I'm actually precious to the Father. That you are special, you're precious to him. It's nothing that you did. And that's the beauty of this. It's not because we've done something. It's actually because of who he is. Because it's the nature of God to love his creation. It's nature of God to love humanity who are made in his image. We belong to the Father. That we're also his possession. 
And as such, as I come to him, as I, as, I, as I come into that relationship and I accept the fact that I now belong to him, the life I live is not the, my own life anymore. It's actually his life to direct and lead in the way that he chooses. See, that's part of my identity when I come to Jesus. But not only that, is that um, I'm part of a broader community. That my identity is part of a community, a, a kingdom, a nation, a holy nation belonging to the Father. And so, so I belong to something uh, that's much bigger than I am. You know, for many of us, we, we talk about being uh, connected to a group or we're, we're part of this group or I'm part of this group or maybe I'm part of a um, a community group, or I'm part of um, a school group, or I'm part of a work group. But this is much bigger, that my identity isn't found, shouldn't be, when I come to Jesus, in any other group, but actually found in this community that God is called to be his own people. And that as such, it gives me, I have, I have, I have a connectedness to others who are following Jesus that automatically someone on the other side of the world who I've never met before, as soon as I sit down with them, I autom- they're family. Someone who's following Jesus is family. I'm connected to them. They're part of family. I'm, I, no matter where you go on earth, all, there are places that don't, that don't know Jesus yet, but just about any place on earth where you find another Christian, that, that is someone who you're connected with, who's part of your family. And what a privilege to have that sense of connectedness. But then also, my identity is a royal priesthood. So my identity is, in the sense, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more, is is that it's not just in this community, it's not just in this being chosen, but there's actually a partnership with God. I have a role in this kingdom. Amazing. Like the king has given me, given you a role. A role and a responsibility. Now, I'm just going to let you in on something. If God created all of the universe, which we believe he did, he doesn't actually need me. He doesn't need me to do anything. He invites me to do something. He invites me, places a title of this role of royal priesthood and, that, and then gives me responsibility in joining him in what he is doing. Again, what an incredible privilege. And all of this is part of my identity. And really, as followers of Jesus, this needs to be the core of our, our identity. That coming to Jesus, that's part of it. As we come to Jesus and we keep our eyes on him, the other bits that we claim as part of our identity really begin to fade away and it only is found in him and really in the things that we're listing right here. So as I I come to Jesus and as I begin to identify uh, and have my identity in Jesus, I then also um, begin to be transformed because of Jesus. And so this is, we're going to look at this really quick in, in verses 4 and 5. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also 
like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So we are living stones. We're also, um, also we're connected to the one precious stone, Jesus, who is also the cornerstone. And so this is part of our transformation, is that we are being built by the Father. As living stones, we're being shaped, we're being hewn, we're being chiseled into what He wants us to be. A reflection of the cornerstone, which is Jesus. And so the Father is whittling us away to reflect Him once we've come to Him. And as we do that, he's whittling us away around other people. And together, we form this spiritual house. But being built by the Father. Also conforming to the Father. Now, the Father has chosen Jesus. And and using the metaphor of the cornerstone, a cornerstone is set in the corner. Right? Go figure. Okay? So it's the first stone that is laid in, the, in a building. And from that stone, everything is measured, and also we decide how things are square. So from that point, we know this direction and this direction, what is square and what is true. It sets what is true for the building that's being built. And in the same way, Jesus sets what is true for us. And so we're being, we're being modeled after him as we're being shaped as living stones, but we're also, we're also looking to him as setting the direction and setting all by which we are measured. And so we're conforming to the cornerstone, to Jesus, as we're being shaped. And the beauty of this is he's shaping us honestly so that we're become more useful. You know, that's the thing about um, a stone that might be used for a building is it has, to be, it has to be shaped so that it is useful. And so that then we can serve with Jesus. Again, as verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be, and we've talked about this already, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Verse 9 and 10 unpacks this a little bit more. But you, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special people, that you may declare the praises of him. And so this is, again, unpacks a little bit of what it is. So serving with Jesus, it begins with recognizing what we talked about at the beginning, that we are a holy priesthood of the Father. And as such, we have access to the Father. So there's the first thing, that being priests we have immediate access to the Father. The second thing is that we are to be a worshiper of the Father. 
that, that we are to offer sacrifices to him, and the first being the sacrifice of our life, being living sacrifices, as Scripture talks about, that we lay ourselves down on the altar, so to speak, and that we give our lives as a sacrifice to God. Again, going back to coming to him and finding our identity in him, that now our, my life is no longer my own, but as an act of worship, I release it to him, and I go say, God, this is your life. And so we, so there, there's one of the first acts of worship. But then as we go through life, continuing to give acts of worship as we, as we serve him in different ways. And then ultimately, um, worship leader for the Father. That we're actually a worship leader. That last uh, phrase that we underlined was that we, if we go back to it, that you may declare the praises of of him, that we, that is the role of the worship leader, is to declare the praises of God. And so as you, as you think about this, often we come to church and we think, you know, what am I going to get out of church today? Or we might turn on the online and we might say, okay, oh, who's speaking today? Who's leading worship? Um, what am I going to get today? or when we come on a, on a Sunday or Sunday night or another time, those questions often, often come into um, our mind. But those are questions of an audience member. But see, we're not audience members. We are worship leaders. That even as I come into church on Sunday morning, yes, Jamie may be up front, but I as I enter in to the building, I am a worship leader. You are a worship leader. That I, as I do this, I am, like thinking about, you think about the person that's next to you. How am I helping them connect with God? How am I helping um, someone who's new connect with God? someone who's maybe never been to church before, how am I, as a worship leader, that's what God's called me to be, how am I helping them to connect to God? Because as a priest, as a worship leader, that's what I do. I, I connect people to God. I connect, I, I point people to God. I point people to Jesus. I make him known. And so being a worship leader isn't just a worship leader at church, that when I go to work, now I go to work at church, but, um, but in, in another job, um, when I go to my secular work, I am a worship leader. It doesn't change. It doesn't like, because I'm in this space, I'm not a worship leader. I am that priest in that space. Remember, this is part of our identity in God, that that. That in that space, I am aware of, one, God is present. Two, that God wants to reveal himself to the people around me. And that although he doesn't need me, he has invited me into that space and invited me with that role of helping people see Jesus, of helping people in that space See God. 
It doesn't stop there. It's when I'm at school. For some of you, you might, you, you might not be at work, but you're at school. You're a worship leader at school. That again, your role called by God is to reveal and point people to Jesus, to point people to the Father. Rugby field. I tackle you and bless you in the name of Jesus. No. Um, <laughs> but in the way that you play, but also even among your team, you might play rugby, you might play another sport, but, but it's that I'm a worship leader in that space as well. When I go for a walk down the streets, maybe, maybe it's uh, in your neighborhood, maybe it's um, going for a walk out in the bush, in that space, do you know what you are? A worship leader. It doesn't stop that, that this is part of my identity. In coming to Jesus, in surrendering to him, in being built and shaped and, and molded by him, then I serve with him as what, in what he has called me to be and the role that he has given me in that of a priest, of a worship leader. And so this week, I encourage you as you go out, as you go into the different spaces of, um, of, of life, wherever, that path, wherever the path takes you, to be thinking about that, about who you are, that you've come to Jesus, you've been, you're in the process of being shaped by him, and you've been given a role. And so as you go into these places throughout this week, I encourage you to to be thinking about that. How am I leading worship? How am I pointing people to Jesus? How am I pointing people to the Father in these spaces where God has put me?